What's up guys, I'd just like to give you a massive welcome to episode 146 of the Matt Lay White Podcast Experience. Today we're going to be talking about mental health, dealing with social anxiety, vlogging in public, travel fears and so much more. Because I think that it's something which a lot of us face. None of us really want to have the fear. We don't want to have those anxieties because they limit us from our potential of what we can do. And so this episode aims to cover that, to help you overcome your fears, overcome anything that may be stopping you from achieving your goals. This is my third day in Western Australia, I think. Um, you maybe I'll pick up a slight Australian accent in my voice. I know it's come very, very quickly. Uh, basically, I spent five months here last year, well, in Victoria. And as soon as I came back to Australia, the accent just came back. So, well, it's starting to come back. It's like halfway between British and Australian right now. But anyway, yeah, I'm in Western Australia for a little bit, then I'm off to Brisbane, and then down Sydney, and then I've got like a 20-country tour, which will be incredible. I'll be meeting a lot of you guys there. Anyway, enjoy the episode. If you haven't already, leave a review on iTunes, remember to screenshot an email to me. All my info is in the description of this episode. I'll make sure to give you some love. And if you think that it can benefit someone, send this to a friend because it might help them. Anyway, I'm not going to ramble on for much longer. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you. I want to be known as one of the, the biggest and best hip-hop artists out there. You take small opportunities and make a big one, that's where it all happens. Map out your future. So I ain't gonna lie to you guys, I used to have big, big problems with like social anxiety and that kind of thing. I think there's a couple of you, actually, who I used to go to high school with that listen to this, so you'll know exactly what I mean. But basically, like, through year 7 through, I'd say, year 10, 11, like, it was quite a few years. I had massive confidence issues and things like that. Basically, like, I wasn't having the confidence to talk to people. I didn't have the confidence to start a conversation and like even when I went out with friends like my mind was just constantly overthinking I was always like well what do I say now how do I react to this situation how do I react to that um like I really did have pretty bad social anxiety I don't know how it is compared to some people but for me, it felt pretty intense. Like, I'm sure other people have it worse, don't get me wrong. But for me, like, I felt like it was really intense. 
And I remember just being like, well, how do I overcome this? Because it was affecting my life. Literally everything from my music career to my studies to just simply making friends and stuff, it was definitely difficult. Because I just wasn't sure what to do. And so I think in high school I missed quite a few opportunities simply because I wasn't afraid to talk to people. Um, yeah, I like most people, like, you know when you see that like pretty girl or whatever and you get a little bit nervous and you're like, oh, what do I say? What do I say? But then like you have that confidence, that adrenaline, and you just walk over, act all confidence. And whatever. Yeah, I didn't have any of that. Literally, like, my mind was blank all the time. And so, like, music for me was an escape. And so, instead of hanging out with people, playing football and whatever, well, I did sometimes, but, like, a lot of the time during break and lunchtime, I just went and made music. I didn't know what else to do. Don't get me wrong, I did have friends. Like, I wasn't the most popular guy in school, but I think people who went to high school would definitely who went to high school with me would definitely agree that I wasn't the most unpopular guy either. Like, I'd say I was pretty close to the middle. So, like, I did have friends, of course, um, but I just made music every single day. Literally, there was this room above the recording studio at school, and I'd literally just go in there, watch some, like, tutorials, play around with, I think it was, yeah, Cubase, which is, like, a music production software, and literally just experiment with loads of different stuff, because I knew that music was my passion, and so I was just prepared to, like, go all in. I knew that the short-term sacrifice would be worth it in the long run, and I was definitely right. And so, yeah, I still did have social anxiety for a long, long time. But like with anything, the only way to overcome the fear was through exposure. And so I'd say it was the second half of year 11... I just started talking to a lot, lot more people. At first, it was just like on Facebook and things like that. And then I just started talking to people in person, like in the middle of class. So I just have like random conversations. And I got told to shut up by the teachers a lot of the time. But, you know, it was fun. It was actually great just talking to people. It was great generating those connections, those relationships, and a lot of the people which I was initially nervous to talk to at first, like, we're still really good friends. Um, And so, yeah, that was definitely great. And I'm going to give a big shout-out to Danny right now. He's probably listening. Um, He definitely helped in some form, like, Without him, I definitely don't know what I would have done, because he just gave me... I mean, I was pretty much there, but he just gave me the extra confidence boost, which helped a shit ton. And yeah, I definitely think that 
in order to overcome it, you've just got to expose your fear, whether it's spiders, whether it's snakes, whether it's social situations, whatever it is. There's an acronym that I really, really love. And instead of treating fear as a bad thing, treat it as a good thing. The acronym is Face Everything and Rise. So no matter what fear you have, just face it and you can rise above it. I used to have a massive fear of spiders. I had arachnophobia, there was no doubt about it. And spending a decent portion of my life in Australia, like, that fear was pretty justified, at least in my mind. And so, one thing I did was literally I just tried to put myself around spiders a lot more. Like, instead of trying to get them out the room, I just tried sleeping with them in the room, knowingly that they were there. Of course, like, the dangerous ones I'd get out, but, like, the non-venomous ones, yeah, they're fine. And so, yeah, I just faced it, and over time, over several years, I admit, like, I'm still nervous around the big ones today. I managed to face my fear, and I rose above it. And it was pretty much the same with social anxiety. As I said, I just started talking to people. And... Okay, sure, like, the first few times were awkward, especially with girls and stuff, like, yeah, they were. I'm not going to deny it. But as I exposed myself to just, like, opening up, I think I was afraid of exposing myself, exposing my feelings, my emotions, my secrets, whatever, and then people just running away. That's what I was afraid of, and that's why... I felt anxious to talk to new people because I was just so afraid of losing them. Damn, this is like a therapy session. Should do this more often. Um, literally, the just more I started to realise, okay, they're not going to run away, at least the majority of them. That is, I just got to talk to more people, I just got to expose myself to that. And the more I did that, the more comfortable I became, and the more confident I became. Like, literally now, I can talk for hours on end to someone that I've literally just met. Uh, Literally, like, I used to have big problems with talking to strangers. I was like, even with, like, the bus driver or the train driver or some check out person like I used to be so so nervous and always used to overthink things what will I say uh, even like ordering my food at McDonald's I used to be so so nervous but now like I'm pretty confident I can I feel as if I can do pretty much anything and yeah over time that fear just went away like the anxiety went away and I know for some people it will take longer I I am empathetic towards that, I know that. But for me, like, I was able to overcome my fear, and that's what I love doing. Because it's enabled me to have so many opportunities. So many opportunities. Literally, like, I can have a conversation with 
people with millions of streams, platinum selling producers, just like normally, you're like a normal person. Two, three years ago, I would have freaked the fuck out, honestly. Like, I would have been so nervous, I would have stuttered, I wouldn't have known what to say. And I would have just been an emotional mess. But, like, now I can just, like, have that conversation. I can talk to them in a way that's meaningful. And we get along really well. And it's literally like that with everyone. Even, like, several years ago, meeting up with my closest friends, I had that social anxiety. I wasn't sure what I was going to say, what we were going to talk about, and all of that, like, cliche stuff. But, as I said, once you face it and rise above it, you become numb to the fear, you become numb to the pain and the anxiety of it. And so I think that's what was able to help me through those years. Obviously, being a teenager, it wasn't exactly the easiest time to have social anxiety. But, you know, I overcame it pretty well. And so, yeah, literally, I was so nervous talking to people. I had no idea what to say. And I was like that for several years, but honestly, I know I've said this several times, but it's true, it's the truth, and no matter what way you put it, like, people will say it in a different way, sure, but at the end of the day, we're all saying the same thing. If you have a fear, it may be difficult, but just face it. Expose yourself to it once, and then a second time, and a third time. And as you become... I mean, it'll be difficult the first few times, don't get me wrong. But as you continue to face it, as you get exposure to it, you become numb to the pain and you just rise above whatever fear you have. And so, yeah, like, that's one of the best things that you can possibly do. I'll give you an example of fears I have right now. When I was younger, when I was, like, five or six, I went to a place called Rottnest Island in WA. West Australia, actually it's very close to here, and I had a very close encounter with a snake to say the least, <laughs> um, I could have died very easily that day, and so ever since I've just been scared to go back there, but I've put myself a ticket, and I'm going back there next week. I'm going to go to the exact beach where it happened. And I'm just going to face my fear directly, because there's nothing wrong with it. Rosnest Island is a beautiful, beautiful place. And so, just got to face the fear and rise above it. Um, another fear I have right now is being in the middle of the ocean. Now, this sounds stupid at first, but hear me out. My... Actually, I'd say it's one of my biggest fears right now. Um, Partly because I'm in Australia and everything can kill you. Um, (laughs) My fear is like just being in the middle of the ocean with nothing around me, no one around me, just stuck there, stranded. And obviously, you can't see what's underwater. And even when you can, you can only see 10, 20 metres, whatever it is. 
and so there may be like sharks within 10-20 meters of you and for me that's scary like I wouldn't say I have a fear of the ocean but I definitely have a fear of the unknown within the ocean like fucking <clears throat> if you're on, in the middle of the ocean there could be a shark beneath you and you wouldn't have a clue like you get the idea like I am definitely nervous about it But, and this is so stupid to say, one of the things that I'm going to be doing personally is going to Queensland, because that's where all the scary shit is. <laughs> um, I'm going to make sure I book myself a tour to the Great Barrier Reef, and I'm going to go into the ocean there. I'm going to put myself in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of the unknown, and I'm just going to face it. Because I can't think of any other way to do it. Yeah, sure, there'll be corals and fish. But there'll also be sharks. And it's not the middle of the aquarium. <laughs> like, I can swim in an aquarium with sharks, no problem. Because I know it's a controlled environment. But when you have sharks in the middle of the ocean and there's no barrier between you, it's the wild. That's when shit gets scary for me, and so that's one thing I really want to overcome. I, I'm going to do a follow-up episode to this podcast when I do it, because I think it's important. I think that I've just got to face everything and rise above it. Hell yeah. In, as you know, like, I'm in the entertainment industry. I'm very quickly getting into the influencer space. So people, so I'm actually talking to people a lot within like photography influences, travel influences, uh, fitness, like people across the entire spectrum on like Instagram, YouTube and other platforms. And one fear that people have pretty regularly is like vlogging in public. For the very few of you who don't know what it is, it's basically holding your phone up in front of your face in the middle of a high street and talking to the camera. Now, I think what most people are afraid about is other people's perceptions of them. They're afraid, oh, what will people think of me? Oh, they'll be judging me and all of that. But in reality, like, chances are they're not going to care too much about what you're doing. Especially in a city or something. At the end of the day, like, there's people taking selfies, there's people recording videos and stuff all throughout the city. And people are just, like, used to it. Like, they just think it's second nature. And so, like, if you're vlogging, chances are... Okay, sure, they may take a look at you and be like, oh, what's he doing? What's she doing? But like two seconds later, they'll be onto something else. They'll be thinking about something else because their life will have moved on. And so, yeah, I just think literally you've just got to expose yourself to that fear and just start doing it. Like, I used to have a fear of it, jeez. Um, but I just started doing it a lot in Melbourne and also London. Uh, less London, UK, not London, Canada. Um, and over time I just got used to it and 
Sure, like, I've had a couple people look at me funny if you actually check out one of my recent videos where I explore Melbourne on Facebook. I think it's just before I'm about to go into the public library, I'm walking up, I can't remember what, it might have been Latrobe Street in Melbourne, basically one of the main streets I'm vlogging, and this woman looks at me vlogging, and she realises I'm vlogging, and she turns around, because she don't want to be in the video, and then she points to her husband at me, and I get distracted by that, and then I walk into the road, and I almost get run over, like, but at the end of the day, you just got to think that people don't care, and it's true, like, sure, they'll care for two seconds, two minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, like, especially in that situation. But afterwards, they'll just move on with their life. Like, think about it when you die, like, even Prince, Michael Jackson, they had two, three days, maybe a week of love on social media, and then people moved on with their lives. They, I don't want to say they don't care, but they definitely moved on. And it's a similar concept. Like, if people aren't going to care when you're dead, why care about them when you're alive? Because at the end of the day, if you just pander to people's uh, judgments about you, you'll never get anything done. And so you just got to do what you want and don't give a shit about it. But at the end of the day, what's the... If you're in the middle of the city, what's the chance you'll see those people again making you nervous? Probably like 0%, maybe 1% chance. Like, very, very small. And even if you do see them again in your lifetime, they won't remember you. And so that's just one thing you got to remember, like... Just do what you want to do in life. And don't pander to other people's expectations and other people's judgments of you. It's pointless. At least, in my opinion. I hope that's useful. Um, so, right now, we're going to talk about some common travel fears faced. I basically sent a couple of DMs out to people who regularly travel... And I asked them, well, what are your common travel fears? Like, what did you used to be afraid of? And I got a couple of answers. And I'm just going to give some sort of responses to them. Like, we're just going to do, like, typical Q&A. Obviously, we have got our regular question time later from the emails you guys have been sending in and the DMs. So we'll get to that later. But these are some common travel fears that you guys seem to face, so... Let's just get straight into it. The first thing that I got was that they fear not being able to afford a trip. I mean, this should come as common sense, but like, if you want to travel to a new destination, it's probably a good idea to have more than $10 in your bank account. I've seen lots of people arrive in Australia backpacking, even on the working holiday visa, and like, yeah, I've got $20 in my bank account. I'm going to get the job straight away. When in reality, that's not the case. Like, first of all, you've got accommodation to pay for. You've got food to pay for. $20 will cover you for about a day, maybe two if you're lucky. Um, 
plus even when you do get a job, like you're not going to get paid straight away in the majority of cases. And so first of all, you need to have enough money to support yourself for the initial period when you start travelling. That is if you're on a working holiday visa. Um, and yeah, I'd say make sure if you are worried about that and you're on a WHV, make sure you have two to three weeks worth of funds to be able to sustainably afford support yourself. You have enough for your accommodation, your food, your drinks, and a couple of activities. Make sure you budget for all of that, because it's a lot more expensive than people tend to think. Alternatively, if you're if you have the talent or if you're able to, just find ways to make money abroad. It's what I did last year, and it's what I'm doing right now. Uh, so flipping things is something which can be very lucrative if you know how to do it well. So literally, uh, get a thrift store, garage sales, whatever you want to do, and find items which are at a pretty low price. For example, last year in November, I believe it was, October, November, that period of time, I went to a thrift store and found five Disney store character toys, like plush toys, I think it was $2 each. Um, I bought all of them and made about $20 profit because I sold them for like $25 and then obviously you got fees and stuff, so about $20 profit. And that made allowed me to make 100 bucks in a day and then obviously the next day I went out and so on and so forth. So if you want to make a little bit of extra cash, flipping is good, definitely get into it. If you want that extra 100, 200, 300 a week, you just need to do the research. If you're looking to get into it, definitely check out Reezy Resales on YouTube. Uh, Flippin' Profit is a good one, and Gary Vaynerchuk, he's got like his Trash Talk series, which is great. So definitely check those out. Or alternatively, if you have a skill like graphic design, blog writing, things like that, uh, try freelance work. Uh, one thing, this is not a sponsored ad, um, it's just a recommendation. One thing that I absolutely love is Upwork.com. Uh, there's, there's loads of sites like it, but basically you offer your skills, people pay you, and boom, it goes straight into your PayPal account, which is great. Next fear. They fear that they'll be lonely, they won't be able to make friends. Okay, I mean, this is just super, this won't take long to explain at all. But like, first of all, you've got hostels. So if you're a backpacker, if you're pretty young, definitely use them. I'd say they're worth it, especially if you're on a budget. Because you can literally just go make friends with people your age who also love travelling. Quite simple. And although, okay, sure, you may be a little bit apprehensive to approach people, but at the end of the day, they're also travelling, and so chances are they'll be happy to have a conversation. Ooh. Uh, another thing, Facebook groups, so for example, backpackers in Melbourne, backpackers in Brisbane, Sydney, whatever. Or even just going on to Instagram, like if you have a lot of followers put out a message saying who's in Sydney over the next two weeks or whatever, like that tends to work as well.
And the last travel fear we have is feeling unsafe. Okay, I'll be honest with you. I'm a stubborn little fucker. Like, I admit I'm only, what, 5 foot 9, 5 foot 10, something like that. But, like, I am stubborn as shit. And so people may tell me, oh, yeah, this place is unsafe to go to. This place you'll get mugged. This place you'll get stabbed. And for me, it's like, I just got to experience it firsthand. Like, the rule that I have is no war zones. So, for example, I've got no plans right now to go to Syria. No plans to go to Iraq. I mean, actually, Iraq's becoming better, but I probably would stay away from it for a couple of years. Uh, Yemen, North Korea, those types of places, like, I'll stay away from. But apart from that, like, I'm pretty happy to go anywhere. Actually, let's just bring up maps. Let's find some random place which people might be afraid to go to. And obviously, you got Australia, New Zealand, like typical tourist places. But somewhere like I don't know, somewhere where people might be apprehensive to go, so like rural China, uh, Russia, uh, parts of Africa, like. Most places in Africa I'd happily go to. I think I'd avoid Venezuela for now until things calm down. Did you get the idea? Like, generally, I'm pretty happy to go in most places. I've just got to experience the danger firsthand to put me off. Um, but if you are feeling unsafe, check the travel advice from your local government. Uh, I can't remember. I'm going to get it up for you because it might actually help someone. Um, the website for UK citizens is Smart Traveller. Oh, this one for Australian citizens because I'm in Australia, so it's the first one that come up. SmartTraveller.gov.au. I mean, UK and Australia, they have pretty similar travel advice for most countries. Um, same with, like, New Zealand, US, so... Or just check the one of your local country, so if you're in the UK, just, like, put in, and you want to thinking about, I know, going to Egypt, for example. You can say, travel advice Egypt, and it'll come up with, like, the areas you can go, the ones you can, entry requirements, things like that. Definitely worth checking out if you're apprehensive about going anywhere. Um, is that the end of that bit? But yeah, just basically, if you're feeling unsafe, check the travel advice, check the reviews of places. Uh, If you're really feeling unsafe, go with somebody, but generally, you should be fine. Oh, and make sure you get insurance, that's the other thing. The next topic I want to talk about is therapy. I know this is quite sensitive for some people, but like, I'm going to talk about it anyway. Basically, the music industry, I mean, the entertainment industry in general is tough. You have, for most people, you have no guaranteed paycheck. You're working very long hours. I'm actually very envious of people who work office jobs because they have, like, set hours. Like, they might work on, like, 45 hours in a week. Meanwhile, like... 
the times in which I work 16, 17 hours a day. And, like, what's, my math is terrible, I apologise, but, like, there's times in which I will work, like, 70, 80 hours a week, like, it happens. And so the stress gets to you, it becomes overwhelming. And so it's very understandable as to why some people go into depression because of it. I'm just trying to think how to word it properly. Um, you have people like Avicii who unfortunately passed away. I don't know obviously all the details surrounding his death, but I believe it was suicide. I'm not quite sure, but anyway, he was struggling with a lot of depression over the past few years. And hearing his death back in April, that just shook me. Like, I was genuinely upset because he has gone through a lot of stress. And although my situation wasn't anywhere near as bad as what he had been through, like, I knew exactly the kind of emotions he was feeling because I myself had gone through it, like, and I still get it actually, like, periods of depression where you feel like you can't do anything, you question why you're doing it, and you just think, am I actually good enough for this world? And yeah, it is a difficult topic even to talk about for me. Because ultimately, there are people passing away because of it. They're unfortunately killing themselves. And it's a difficult conversation to have, to say the least. However, I think that because of things like Mental Health Awareness Week, um, and because of Avicii's death and many other people's death, like... It's slowly being brought into the public eye of how bad things are. And because of that, more people are starting to take action because of it. Uh, I believe there was a suicide prevention hotline for musicians that recently opened. I believe that it was something like that. And it's just little things like that because it is a really, really tough industry. And I've been through really bad depression. Like, at one point, I just felt so, so bad. Like, I didn't know if I wanted to continue, not just with music, but with life. This was several years ago. Um... Like, I haven't had anything that bad recently, but it's still been horrific. And so, yeah, I just think that having the conversation around mental health, no matter what industry you're in, is just super important. Because ultimately, if we're able to have the conversation, if we're open about these kind of topics and prepared to talk about them, then it becomes much easier for people dealing with this issue within their lives to open up 
and to be able to talk about it and hopefully find a solution for that particular person. At least that's my view on it anyway. And so yeah, like, personally, I am going to be getting a therapist at some point soon. It's not because I'm going through regular depression or anything like that. I do want to make that clear. However, the stress and just the overwhelming nature of the entertainment industry can get to me sometimes. I still get burnt out, I still get little spouts of depression here and there. And so ultimately I just need a release of my thoughts. I can't remember who it was, but I was listening to a podcast recently where it was this girl who was being interviewed. It was probably on True Geordie or Joe Rogan or something similar to that. And they said that therapy is the wrong word for a lot of people in the music industry. It's more like mind coaching. It was Alfie Days. That's it. That's who I was talking about. Alfie, I believe. Um, Yeah, must have been. And he basically said that instead of calling it therapy, call it mind coaching. Like basically changing your mindset of everything. Because a lot of people in the entertainment industry often feel overwhelmed, like even by the fans constantly approaching them, like they can't even go out for dinner without being approached to ask for a photo, whatever. And that does get to a lot of people, okay, sure, it can be enjoyable, but it also can get very overwhelming. And so his therapist, and many other people's therapists would have the opinion that you can't do everything, you can't have everything that you want in life. You've got to pick and choose. Like, sure, you could stop all that photographs, you could stop all that constant public attention and whatever. All you got to do is put yourself out of the spotlight, so stop producing content. But then, obviously, a lot of people don't want to stop producing content, and so... You've got to realise that you have, not consequences, but when you do something within the entertainment industry, there are often repercussions down the line that you may or may not like. So, for example, if you get a number one single or, I don't know, get one million followers on Instagram... Chances are you're going to be approached pretty regularly for photos and whatever. And so you've just got to have the mindset to be successful, to overcome it. And as I said earlier, just face everything and rise above it. I think that's one of the most important things you can do. Look, I'm just a 19-year-old kid, like, I'm not pretending that I have all the answers to life. I'm not saying that I am a life expert, or a life coach, or any of that bullshit, but... All I'm doing is giving my opinion 
on these topics and you can agree with me, you can disagree with me, honestly. Whatever you choose, I'm happy for you because at the end of the day, we it's, it's a democracy, Australia, New Zealand, United Kingdom, United States, Canada, whatever. We're all a democracy and we are all entitled to our own opinions and regardless of what we all think. I definitely think it's amazing that we are finally having these conversations of mental health in the public eye that's finally being recognised. Because ultimately, I think it will definitely help save lives. It will definitely help with depression if people have somebody that they can talk to. And if you guys, any of my listeners, fans, whatever you want to call yourselves are struggling with mental health, are struggling with depression or anything, just know that you can reach out to me and that I will be more than happy to chat with you because I've gone through it myself. As I've said, like, my email is in the description of this episode and my contact info, etc. is as well, so... If you ever need to chat, whether it's questions about the music industry, marketing, mental health, whatever, if you just want somebody to talk to, like, if I have time, I'll talk to you on the phone, but otherwise it'll probably be by email or text, but, like, if you do need someone to talk to, just know that I am more than happy to speak with you. Just know that, please. Because... There's nothing worse than going through it alone, honestly, it's horrific. Right then. Time to answer some questions, I guess. So, right now, uh, let's check the emails, what we got here. <laughs> this one looks great. Okay, so we've got one from Holly. She's, where's she lived? Does she, she said? Northern Ireland, great. When you send a question, put in your country, city, whatever, please. It just helps me a little bit, get some context. Um, my boyfriend is a music producer. He's spending hours and hours working on his passion. I'm, oh, but I'm fine with that. I'm happy for him. But we don't spend any time together. Any tips for finding a good work-life balance? Holly, I hope you're listening and I hope you're well. I think you've got to have the conversation with him directly. I think that you've got to just say to him, look, I am happy for you. I'm great that you are achieving your dream, whatever. However, I want to be able to spend time with you. And so whether you allocate a certain amount of hours per week or schedule certain times of the day in which, like, you just spend with each other, whatever, just, like, have that conversation with him and be empathetic towards him because, obviously, if he's working on his passion, if he's becoming successful, then he's going to want to continue his music. And from what you said, you seem happy with it that he's following his passion. And so I just literally think you've got to have the conversation with him because work-life balance is different for everybody. 
like for me, work is my life, and so I will work pretty much all of the day. But for other people, they may just want to do like five, six hours a day. Like it's totally different for everybody. And so I think you just got to have the conversation, have the chat with him and just say, look, I want to spend time with you. When can we schedule periods of time which works for both of us? I think that's what you got to do. And I hope that helps. Next question. Right. What we got here? This is Skip. Okay. Blake from Columbus, Ohio. I actually didn't get to go to Ohio in my last North America trip. Um, it's definitely somewhere I'd like to check it out. Apparently it's a pretty awesome place. I'm a graphic designer, but I'm regularly depressed. I don't have the motivation to continue what I'm doing. I don't know what else to do. Can you help me? First of all, I think you've got to find the source of your depression. It may be something in your ex- external life that you're just unhappy with. Uh, so, for example, I know a lot of people spend some time on their passion, but they also have a 9 to 5 job, which they absolutely hate. And so that job then becomes like, a symbol, a representation of their depression, and so once they get back from their job, they feel depressed and unmotivated, and before they go to their job, they know that they've got to do their, like, 9 to 5 later, and so they're not really prepared to put in the work on their music, the graphic design, whatever, and so, yeah, I think you've got to find, it may be that or it may be something different, but you've got to find the source of your depression and once you find that you just gotta remove it from your life like fuck it may be your brother your sister saying that you won't ever achieve anything I don't know I I don't know your situation but if it is you've got to have the conversation with them and if necessary like if you can stop talking with them or hanging out with them so much because that negative energy will just rub off on you and I've experienced it myself with family and the last thing you want is to be around negative people and so my advice to you is just literally find the source of your depression and remove it from your life. As Gary Vaynerchuk says, the odds of being born are 400 trillion to one, yet alone the odds of living in a first world country um, being able to create an income from your passion, like, I don't know the numbers above trillions, but, like, it's ridiculous. I say, so, yeah, find the source of your depression and remove it from your life. Last question. We have, let's have a look. Simon from New Zealand. I don't know whereabouts it is in the country, so sorry about that. Hey Matt, love the podcast, I'm looking to start my own, how can I get some listeners if I don't have an audience? Simple answer mate, um, interview people, literally reach out to 100 people and say something like, hey my name is Simon, 
I have a podcast that's about this. Um, I'd love to talk to you for 20, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever, about your ambitions, your life. You could be like this. Uh, would you be interested in being a guest? And 90% of people will say no. And that's great. But you get that 5%, that 10% which say yes. And you just keep leveraging it. For example, I literally emailed like 20 people, 30 people initially when starting the podcast. And I think about four or five said yes, which is a pretty good number. And those people, one of them was Shanduras actually. He's like an influencer with like several million followers. And I did those episodes, I put them out. And I was just able to leverage it for, like, bigger guests each time. And obviously, as you get bigger guests, your audience starts to increase because they may be posting about it on their social media sites or just natural SEO if it's published on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, whatever. Like, if they're searching Shonduras interview, Tom Cruise interview, whatever, like, it'll come up. And so that's a great way to get plays. And so, yeah, I definitely start interviewing people. Also, just creating generally good content. But my content's not the best right now. I know that. I'm not an idiot. I need to get a better microphone at some point. But for now, like, it does the job for what I want it to. And so I'm not going to complain too much. And so, yeah, I definitely think just start interviewing people and build your audience up that way. Also running ads if you have the money, but otherwise interview people and just sort of siphon their audience to build up your own. I definitely think that's the best way to go about it. Right. That, my friends, is the end of this episode. We are currently at... Hold on... 50 minutes. Um, which is pretty good, like, definitely much, much longer than the previous sort of series I did, where episodes were like four or five minutes. If you enjoyed the episode, and that's only if you enjoyed it, I would appreciate you so much if you left a review on iTunes or any other platform, just telling me what you think. Now, even if you hate it, leave a one-star review, please, do that, I don't mind. If you love it, leave a five-star review and just tell me what you like about it, what I can improve on, because that ultimately just helps me improve the quality of each episode. Likewise, if you have any suggestions for podcast guests or anything like that, feel free to email me. All my info is in the description of this episode. Um, And yeah, I hope you have an awesome day. And I'll see you in the next episode. See ya.